702. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Live, online. The 702 app, DSTV Channel 856, 92.7 and 106 FM. Coming up on the show today, Colleen Makubele leads the Rainbow Alliance and breaks her silence about her axing from COPE. Standard Chartered admits to RAND manipulation. Other banks accused of a rigging conspiracy. The IEC is having a press conference about preparedness for the registration weekend. Kosciento Ramakopa appears before Parliament. And KSAC urges the Chief Justice to exercise restraint on media interviews. All of that over the next hour. 7.02. Let's walk the talk. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Midday Report on 702 in Cape Talk with me, Mandy Wiener. Good to be with you today. How's that story about the burglary at the Saru offices? It's so brazen. If you look at the video footage of these guys going in, stealing the signed jerseys, at least they didn't take the William Webb Ellis Trophy. I think there would have been a national outcry. We'd also be in big trouble with World Rugby again for that reason, but it really is brazen. The fact that people would break into Saru House and think that they can get away with it, well seems like they have for now it really is quite astonishing it does speak to our high levels of crime in this country there's lots going on today a few different briefings that we are monitoring for you the IEC is having a briefing about preparedness for the election registration weekend this weekend so we'll check in with that and then the Joburg council speaker who is no longer the council speaker Colleen Makobele has been having a briefing today along with the South African Rainbow Alliance. As you would have heard this week, Colleen Makobele was uh, kicked out of COPE and uh, is no longer the speaker of the city of Joburg because she has been on posters around Joburg as the representative of the Rainbow Alliance. It's a pact comprising of the like-minded political parties, civic organizations, churches and faith-based organizations. So Makobele finally... Uh, breaking her silence today, she's been speaking about the fact that co-president Mosiwa Lakota was very instrumental in the formation of SARA. Um, there's different pronunciations of this. It's S-A-R-A. Have a listen to what Makubele had to say about Mosiwa Lakota's involvement. My president, whom I will continue to honor, President Lakota, was very instrumental in forming this SARA. It was the legacy that he wanted to leave as one who led UDF. He taught us many things around this table, in this room and in other rooms because we would meet in this venue, about the UDF, about the alternative party that must be formed, uniting everybody to change the nation. He went as far as saying it, which is on video, and you can go to our YouTube channels, you'll find it, that if we can manage to succeed to form this super pact, at that time it was super pact, the Tensera, he will go to his grave a happy man. This is what he wants to leave to all South Africans. But again, ladies and gentlemen, if this baby Sarah was a boy, Cope would be sitting on this table today. So Colleen Makubele is saying that she was kicked out of COPE because she's a woman who challenged the men, um, arguing misogyny as her defence here. We'll find out more about that from our reporter in a bit. But have a listen to what Makubele had to say about what exactly SARA is, the South African Rainbow Alliance. This is a party for a generation of voters who seek self-expression, who seek opportunities to make ends meet. That generation that is educated with degrees that are lying at home gathering dust. We are calling on you, Sarah needs you. 
Come and join us. We're looking for leaders. We want premiers, we want MMCs, we want workers. If you are sitting at home, your degree is gathering dust, you don't know where to go, you don't need to go and queue for Nurses Bani. Come and join Sarah. We'll give you the dignity of work, the dignity of making ends meet, the dignity of raising your family, building your own home, making something out of your life. We are calling on young people, white young people that are leaving the country. You don't need to go and queue for visas to go and make it in France because this country is disintegrating. This is South African Rainbow Alliance. We want you to come back. We need your skills. Indian, black, colored, young people, old people. We need the experience of the elders who are willing to work. We need the intergenerational mix. You bring insights. You bring the dreams that you've had of South Africa. We bring our foresight, our creativity. Together, we will make South Africa work. We are calling on those who are tired of the status quo like us. Those praying mothers, praying grandmothers, who've been interceding and praying for this nation. Quite an orator, Colleen Makobela. Are you inspired? She wants you. Would you vote for her? Send me a WhatsApp voice note. Let me know what you think about that. Nokukanya Mtambo, EWN reporter at that briefing for us. Nokukanya, good afternoon to you. Colleen Makobele has spoken about the fact that COPE was part of these conversations. Masiwa Lakota was part of these conversations. She argues that she's been kicked out because she's a woman. What has she been saying about this? Good afternoon, Mandy. So much to unpack about this media briefing that we saw, but uh, what we do uh, get a sense of is that Sara is still just trying to find its feet and just trying to navigate itself within the political space, considering all of the developments that we've seen uh, in this past week, especially uh, with her being kicked out of COPE and uh, what we then imagine would be the tensions between her and uh, the COPE members, including Masoula Gota. But what she says that was the reason why she was kicked out is that it really is uh, a matter of politics of patriarchy um, and there was a bit of unhappiness about her as a woman leading uh, the South African Rainbow uh, Alliance. She says that Musiwa Lekota, as you've uh, rightfully played in that clip, Mandy, was instrumental in forming uh, and setting up this alliance, this pre-election alliance uh, and that in fact uh, just weeks, just a few weeks ago, two weeks ago, he was at this very table sitting with them, focusing about all of these political uh, parties and all of these other organizations about the way forward. But again, uh, just, you know, being at being loggerheads about her uh, being a woman and, and that was the unsatisfaction and the unhappiness uh, about who would lead um, the, the Sarah Alliance. Nokukanya, thank you very much. Nokukanya, I'm Tambo, EWN reporter who was at that briefing for us. She says so much to unpack about this and what has emerged here. Rabone Tao, political analyst, joining us to do just that. Rabone, good afternoon to you. Thank you for, for your time. Um, firstly, the South African Rainbow Alliance, it's a pact. It's compromising like-minded political parties, civic organizations, churches. Uh, is there um, a, a relevance here? We've also just heard from the IEC that there's something like 400 political parties I forget the exact number on the ballot paper so so what do you make of Sara? Uh, good uh, good day Mind and good day to the listeners at home I think what people need to understand um, at this present moment I mean as you, as you say that you know, even the INC announced that there's around 400 political parties the challenges that face South Africa can be resolved through political parties you know and um, because if you look at even now, with Sarah, it has brought 
um, uh, challenges to the city of Johannesburg, for an example, with the decision that, you know, COPE that has taken around the, the speaker who uh, was a COPE member since they've not terminated. But I don't think that um, it will solve any problems, uh, having more political parties at this uh, time uh, in South Africa. And I would like to agree, you know, with the Khalima Matlante Foundation, where they had the discussions um, um, a few weeks back in Drakensberg when they were talking about that we need to reset, you know, as South Africa, you know, uh, because the agreements that were put in place in 1994, you know, everything has collapsed and we have a national consensus of where to from here as a country. And Colleen Makubele, who has now been kicked out of COPE um, and has now emerged as the face of, of SARA, what do you make of her political relevance? Um, I don't know if she will be um, in terms of the timing, in terms of um, for 2024 elections, if um, she will actually get a seat there because obviously they will have to really work hard you know, to even tell South Africans what is the star all about, you know, because we know that uh, also people are more used to uh, traditional parties that we have seen, uh, let's say, for the past uh, 10 years and so forth, you know, and um, she was more of a local player, not of a national player in terms of national politics of COPE. Robone, thank you very much. Uh, Robone Tao, political analyst, giving us uh, analysis there on the emergence of the South African Rainbow Alliance. What do you make of that? Do you think there is place uh, on the spectrum of uh, political parties in this country? Uh, over 400 political parties are going to be on the ballot. And what do you make of Colleen Makobele and the fact that she has now emerged from COPE as the face of Asara? Is she somebody that you would give your vote to? 702. 702. Mandy Wiener. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m. The IEC, the Independent Electoral Commission, briefing the media on readiness for the National Voter Registration Weekend that's going to be held this weekend. A big drive by the IEC to get particularly young people registered to vote. We have a huge issue with uh, voter apathy, uh, just reluctance to vote amongst young people. Uh, Tobiso Goba, EWN reporter, following that briefing for us, joins us in our Joburg studio. Tobiso, good afternoon to you. What has the IEC been saying about preparedness for this weekend? Well, good afternoon, Mandy. Well, um, I can tell you that um, they did um, have, as we know, obviously there's a, a, the first um, registration weekend um, this weekend for these uh, upcoming elections. So they did have a dry run during the 28th and 29th of October. There were a couple of software issues that they had with their systems. So they're saying that obviously during that time up until now, those issues have been um, resolved. Obviously, the chief electoral officer, Saima Mabolo, uh, very much emphasize, uh, emphasizing the importance of voting. You know, about um, 66% of voting age population have registered to vote. So obviously, there's, that's quite obviously um, a large number of people who still aren't registered to vote. So Saima Abolo saying that's obviously that... Um, I urging people to make sure that they, they have to vote. So about um, over 2,000 voting stations will be open across the country. Um, the IEC said they have about 70,000 staff um, that they've uh, recruited and trained who will be manning these voting uh, registration offices. And I think obviously, Mandy, because it is obviously 2023, one of the most important questions was around how will load shedding actually affect this? And that was one of the questions that was put to Saima Mabolo. And this is what he had, he had to say on the load on the load shedding question. Load shedding it's a issue of 
um, concern always because it affects um, our business operations. However, on this occasion, we won't be so much reliant on the day on energy supply because the VMDs will be pre-charged and in a full battery charge, they should be able to carry the day without necessity for um, energy connections. Of course, the situation gets slightly more complicated for election day, but we'll deal with that in due course. For now, we are comfortable that the VMDs, if fully charged, they should be in a position to carry uh, the operation for the day. So that's the uh, Simon Bolo from the IEC. Any other issues that he is raising? Mm. As you know, Mandy, obviously, usually around this time, um, there tends to be a lot of service delivery issues. And um, obviously, that obviously has um, an impact on whether people can actually vote. Obviously, the closure of roads, um, that is obviously affects uh, people in terms of how to get to voting stations. And that is obviously a, um, an act of uh, infringing on someone's um, rights to vote. Um, so he did say that obviously the IEC is part of the national uh, of net joints, uh, that national police structure, where they obviously uh, they are talking about uh, which which are the hotspots areas and where police will actually be deployed to, to actually check and make sure that those service delivery protests, while they cannot stop them from happening, but they make sure that they do not infringe on anyone's rights to vote. Thank you very much, uh, Tabiso Koba, EWN reporter, giving us uh, the overview of that briefing by the IEC. Uh, they are running a registration weekend this weekend, also confirming that there are well over 400 political parties so far that are registered. Uh, Mrs. Peggy says, I'm highly amused at the new Sara party, the Rainbow Alliance. Colleen only mentions blacks, coloreds, and Indians. White people don't exist. She actually did say in that clip that she wants white people who are looking at going overseas, young white people, I think she said. Um, so she's appealing to everyone anyone across the spectrum, but people with degrees, particularly. 702. 702. Mandy Wiener. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m. News breaking this morning that the British multinational bank Standard Chartered has admitted to its role in manipulating the dollar-rand exchange rate. It has now agreed to pay a penalty of about 42 million rand. So a deal reached uh, between the bank and the Competition Commission, the Competition Commission confirming that in a statement today. And all of this is happening uh, while the Competition Appeal Court hearings are underway today, in which 28 local and international banks are challenging allegations that they were part of an overarching conspiracy to manipulate the RAND's value by colluding. Have a listen to Advocate Tembeka Mukatoibi SC, who's currently, or earlier today at least, was arguing in that court. Uh, just to be clear, I mean, there's two alternatives. There is either the commission alleges that it has seized and then it's required to plead those facts on the basis of which it alleges that it has seized. If it does not, if it's still continuing, it's required then to plead those facts uh, to support the allegation that it's continuing. On the pleaded facts, has it ceased and are the facts pleaded to support that it has ceased or is it, con- is it pleaded to be continuing and are the facts pleaded to support that it's continuing? No. We can do that after tea. No, let me answer it now, actually. <laughs> Because you're denying me my cup of tea. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but fair enough, carry on. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think that the last question from Justice Nuku was not yeah. answered, so yeah. it's probably no, no, please do that. probably fair to please answer it. Yes. Justice Nuku, here is the point. The question, and that's maybe 
the, the problem in answering justice goes. 3.27 and 3.28 are asked in the alternative, right? The commission has responded to those in the alternative. It has said, number one, we don't know if this conduct has ceased, right? We have no facts that it continued either. So very dense uh, legal argument taking place in court today. Darby Root, Efficient Group Chief Economist, joining us to speak about this. Darby, good afternoon to you. Uh, on very simplistic terms, if you could break this down for us, what exactly has Standard Chartered admitted to? Uh, good afternoon to you. Well, first of all, I don't think they've admitted to anything yet. I haven't uh, specifically read that the report. I haven't listened to the court case up to now, but I'm, I will be surprised if they've admitted to anything. I think what they've decided to do is to simply to settle settle this issue, which means that they're going to pay some money and to make this thing go away. I think that's usually what it comes down to in these kinds of uh, charges. But basically what they, well, alleged to have done wrongly is that they manipulated the price of rands and dollars. Remember, most banks, most of the bigger banks have a special license uh, which allows them uh, to buy and sell currency. You and I, we're not allowed to do that. Uh, we know about the Pala Pala issue, for example. So we're not allowed to do that, but banks are allowed to do that. And it is alleged that they manipulated the prices of the price of rands and the price of dollars by withholding certain information or by giving some of their customers the preference in this. And in the process, some uh, people get uh, got benefit, uh, got certain benefits because they the got dollars or, or rands or whatever the, the case might be at a slightly better price, or mm. they acted on information which was incorrect. And that's also a very important one. But I, like I've said, I'm not so sure that they are guilty of anything. I think they paid a lot of money to make this issue simply go away. So Standard Chartered has agreed to pay a fine. We know that Citibank also settled with the Competition Commission in 2017. But there yeah. is all this court case going on. So will this have an impact on the other banks and on the other court cases as well? Can we expect other banks to, to make an admission or pay a fine? But I, I don't think, again, I don't think it's a fine. I think it's a settlement. I think the other banks are simply holding out because the, to prove these kind of cases are very, very difficult. And I think in the case of Standard and Chartered, what they've decided is this is taking our, too much time of our time. Uh, this is too much of a slip. Let's just pay them some money and go away. Some of the other banks, I think, are holding out because they know it's very difficult to prove these kind of claims. And indeed, it is extremely difficult. I won't be surprised if this comes to nothing in the end and the, the, the other banks will not be found guilty. I think that is what the other hold, banks are holding out for. Or maybe they will go, go, go into some sort of settlement as well. Darby, thank you for explaining that uh, to us. Darby Ruert, Efficient Group Chief Economist, uh, unpacking that, saying uh, it's not an admission, it's a settlement that Standard Bank, sorry, St- Standard Chartered, to be very clear, um, has reached with uh, with the Competition Commission. And, of course, uh, that is related uh, to the allegations made around uh, manipulation of the dollar-rand exchange rate. And we are currently uh, today seeing the CAC hearings taking place. WhatsApp Mandy on 072-702-1702. Hi, Mandy. Um, with regards to these over 400 um, political parties or that will be on the ballot paper, I feel like shouldn't there be some kind of rule to say if you don't get like a certain number of votes, then your party needs to be dismantled because that ballot paper is too long, firstly. And then secondly, the first and last time you ever hear of some of these people is on election day. Like 
what have these other 400 other parties been doing this whole year do they get funding from the state like i don't understand why is there why do we need so many like is there not a criteria for a political party how is it possible to have over 400 electrical uh political parties yet we only know at most 10 at a time Hi, Mandy. I would like to disagree with Kasak, uh, suggesting that the Chief Justice must tone down on his public utterances. Because as far as I'm concerned, uh, the Chief Justice uh, couldn't be more right. He's 100% right. He's, he's uh, saying the things that, uh, he's giving voice to the things that concern us. And uh, he's saying it on the right platforms uh, so that the politicians, and including the President, get to know what we are all concerned about. So I encourage the Chief Justice to carry on saying the correct things and saying the right things, is speaking the truth. Uh, thanks, Farai. Hi, Mandy, Letokonolo uh, here. Mandy, I wonder why is it that when, 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 when white um, commercial banks do fraud like this of manipulating a rent, it's, it's, a, it's not an admission of guilt. It's, it's a settlement and and when 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 it's when it turns around becomes black people's company it's fraud yes yes man this system this this system is is, is rotten it's rotten to the core huh? i'm telling you the biggest criminal in this country are, are the white firms the white banks and all of that those are the biggest 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 criminals those are the ones that should be prosecuted actually Thank you very much uh, for that view. You are entitled to it. Uh, what defines a white firm or a black firm? A standard chartered is uh, based in the UK. So I suppose that would be a white firm by your definition. Um, and if you're wondering what this is about, it's about the uh, the settlement that has been reached between standard chartered and the competition commission. It has been reported as an admission and a fine as well. So uh, if you have a look at the competition commission statement, that makes it clear what it is. So I think that needs to, to, to be the fundamental here is that factually what is it um, Farai thank you for, for your comments as well we are about to speak to KSAC uh, about uh, about this issue of Chief Justice Raymond Zonda we played some audio that he made um, the comments that he made in an interview with Newsroom Africa earlier this week KSAC saying that he should be exercising restraint in his public engagements and to always act with the best interests of the judiciary in mind so we will speak to KSAC shortly about that but what do you think do you think judges should speak through their judgments or or do you believe that, uh, that 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 the Chief Justice should be outspoken considering the circumstances of state capture and what is happening with uh, with prosecutions uh, and the and the MPA and, and prosecutions in terms of the arms deal that have been going on for years and years? What role should the Chief Justice be playing here? Seven o two, the midday report, Monday to Friday, twelve to one p.m. Josien Suramakhope, who is the Electricity Minister, also the Acting Finance Minister at the moment, uh, is before Parliament today. In fact, on the WhatsApp line, Wamza says, Mandy, why do we have Deputy Ministers if they can't act when the Minister is not available? Another wasteful expenditure? So my understanding of this uh, has always been that you can't have a Deputy Minister acting as a Cabinet Minister because they are not members of of Cabinet, which means they can't uh, authorise according to the law um, and and carry out the responsibilities of a Minister. So why do we have a Deputy Minister? Is it ceremonial? Is it necessary? Um, Do they perform other functions? Often there is a 
distribution of, of duties. Anyway, back to the point, which is Josien Ramachopa is before Parliament today. It's the first time since he has become the Electricity Minister that he is before the uh, Parliamentary Oversight Committee. Babalo and Denze is watching that for us. Babalo, good afternoon to you. What has Josien Ramachopa been saying? Uh, yes, indeed, Mandy. I'm Hossein Soramahopa before the Public Enterprises Committee for the first time. Um, and it's almost the end of the year, and we know he was appointed earlier this year, I think in March this year. And he's basically giving the committee what he's been you know, telling the, the press briefings that he holds quite regularly, and what he's been telling the National Assembly and the NCOP, where he's appeared before on the Energy Action Plan and what basically they've done, or what interventions ESCOM has introduced to try and limit load shedding and basically just giving them an idea of the grid or the status of the grid. And he's telling members that the grid is not is not designed to meet, you know, these current objectives. And he says the density of the grid is quite concentrated in a high felt, which is, you know, Gauteng and surrounding areas. That's where you find the cheap coal mines. That's where you find cheap coal and coal mines as well as coal power stations. And he's also saying, you know, that we, we could have, we averted a, a higher stage of load shedding up to stage eight. Uh, but he, he says this, if it wasn't for the generation division of ESCOM, we, we could have reached stage eight and he commends that generation division and saying that we only we managed to reach stage six. Uh, we could have gone a bit higher, but generation has been working very hard to you know improve generation. Uh, so he's just touching on those issues. They're also touching on you know infrastructure that's needed by, by ESCOM, especially in transmission, moving away from generation for a bit, saying that transmission infrastructure, we need at least 390 billion rand over the next 10 years if, you know, ESCOM is to, is to reach a stage where load shedding is no longer an issue. And he's saying that the, the state as well, you know, assuring members of the committee that the state owns the grid and the grid will never be privatized. I think there was also a, another key point that he, he raised during that committee meeting. Also took a number of questions, Mandy, by members, you know, who really want to get an idea or a firm answer on when load shedding will come to an end, Mandy. Yeah, I was about to ask, uh, was there any pushback fr- from the members of the Oversight Committee around load shedding and whether or not we are doing sufficient maintenance at the moment as well? Or what was some of the, the resistance that the Minister faced? Yes, look, the, the members of, of the EFF, for, for example, were you know quite hard hitting when it came to that issue of ending load shedding, saying the Minister had not really given the country any idea you know, going forward that when load shedding, that exactly when load shedding will end. You know, members of his own party, the ANC, you know, commending the minister, you know, praising the minister for limiting load shedding to its current levels, saying that load shedding has decreased drastically from what we are accustomed to earlier this year, you know, to lower levels of stage one and two, and uh, maybe three at the highest. So he's a bit of a mixed reaction from MPs, members of his own party being quite, you know, commending the minister for the work he's done so far, but others from the opposition not entirely convinced by what the minister has done and what ESCOM has done. And, you know, some singling out former ESCOM CEO under director as well, Mandy. Babalo, thank you very much. Babalo and Denze, EWN reporter, giving us an update there on the electricity minister, Josien Saramachopa, making his first appearance. Can you believe it's his first appearance only? Before Parliament's Public Enterprises Committee, giving it an update on our energy plan. 702. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Let's walk the talk.
Well, let's take a look at the situation now at the Gold One Mine. That's the Gold One Moda East Mine in Springs, east of Johannesburg. We know there have been some issues around there in terms of the rivalry, the disagreement between the National Union of Mine Workers and the Association of Mine Workers and Construction Union, AMCU. We've seen a standoff uh, in the last few weeks with um, mine workers um, uh, sitting in or um, being held hostage, depends on which version you believe about what happened there. So reports now that NUM is moving to uh, oppose the move to oust it as the majority union at Gold One. Also reports that uh, uh, NUM has taken a decision to terminate the closed shop agreement at Gold One Mine in Springs. So let's get clarity on this now from Livuani Mamburu, who is the NUM spokesperson. Livuani, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. So just to confirm, I have read reports saying that you have taken a decision as NUM to consciously and deliberately terminate the closed shop agreement at Moda East. Um, you're saying it's a responsible decision. Tell us about this. No, definitely, Mindy. We have taken a decision um, to um, terminate the closed shop agreement after the violent situation that we've seen last week, uh, Sunday and, 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 on, and on Monday. We feel that um, it, it's important as a union that uh, we must take a responsible decision to safeguard the jobs and, uh, and save lives of innocent uh, workers. I mean, there is a legitimate concern on our side that if the violent acts continue, some of our members or innocent workers are going to get killed. And to be honest with you, we we do not want to we do not want another Americana at at Cold One. So we we felt that uh, we can be part of this violent act. We can be part of of of, of the instability that is happening there. So where does that leave Num? Where does it leave Amku as well? Last week, Amku going to the court to get an urgent order that a, a ballot be conducted to allow workers to choose their preferred union. So where are we with that now? Remember, there is a court case tomorrow uh, after Amku interdicted uh, us on the issue of ball- of balloting uh, when it comes to close up agreement. We don't know what is going to happen tomorrow since the NUM has... Um, terminated the the close-up agreement but what we can put on record is that um, we are opposing the agent court interdict uh, application filed by amco we are resolute that uh, the petition that they are using as a base for the application is highly questionable and remain to and remains to be verified considering the condition under which the petition was obtained are you still confident as the NUM that you have the support of the workers at Gold One? Or do you believe you've lost that support now? No, definitely we have members, Mindy. Uh, um, but we are concerned that um, the majority of our members are being um, intimidated um, um, to, to join uh, AMCO. Um, after the situation that happened three weeks ago, where um, um, uh, there, there was a hostage where uh, nine of our members um, or majority of members were assaulted, uh, intimidated uh, underground. And uh, we, we have members who ended up in the hospital and one in ICU. Um, so there's an intimidation of, of uh, there are intimidations that are happening and our members are very scared. And uh, that is why we felt that as a responsible union uh, that cares about workers in general, 
we have to um, terminate this close up agreement. Livuani, thank you very much for explaining all of that to us. Uh, Livuani Mamburu, the NUM spokesperson, giving us clarity there on the situation at the Morda East Gold One Mine in Springs. Uh, as he explained, also, there is a court matter tomorrow. Uh, NUM is uh, appealing uh, that or is opposing the urgent court application that has been filed by AMCO. What's up, Mandy? On 072-702-1702. Mandy. Uh, anonymous here. You know what? I think this party that Colleen Makubele is talking about can really make it because especially she's calling on the graduates, people who are tired of being ruled by people who should have been on pension a long time ago. Because, you know, actually somebody someday said to me, this country needs to be ruled by accountants and people who have just studied commerce and lawyers and what. That will, I'm telling you, I think, I think it can make it. Yeah, sure. Hi, Mandy. I am responding to the recording of Colleen Makubela and her news conference. It is so refreshing to hear someone who is as articulate and insightful as she sounds. And we do not know the walk she's prepared to walk, but the reality is her message is extremely clear and extremely engaging. And quite frankly, she puts every single ANC politician in this country and every EFF politician in this country to shame with how she articulates who her constituency could be and the attractiveness of this formation for these people who have degrees but remain unemployed, for people of all colors who wish to see some kind of an engagement with civil society. She really sounds attractive. So it seems Colleen Makobele is resonating with some of you. We played that audio earlier on of her uh, as she broke her silence, having that press conference on behalf of the uh, SARA. Um, and look, I agree on this issue of a meritocracy where we need to have the very best um, qualified people leading our institutions. We need to also professionalize the public service. I think that really is necessary. And Colleen Makobele calling for people who have certificates instead of going overseas that they should join Sarah. They're looking for premiers. They're looking for for candidates. But will it stay that way? That's the thing, right? Is that it's great to to get people involved, that you get the very best of the best. You professionalize. You look at a meritocracy. But will it stay that way? Uh, Or will it become um, just looking for for, for positions of power and trying to maintain control of a situation? That's what we've seen invariably with political parties in this country. 702, The Midday Report, Monday to Friday, 12 to 1 p.m. The Joburg Emergency Services earlier today recovering the body of an 18-year-old boy who drowned while attempting to cross the Clip Valley River in Cliptown in Soweto when that uh, hell and the rain came down on Wednesday. It seemed as though he went missing and Alpha Ramashwana, EWN reporter, was out in Cliptown for us today. Uh, Alpha, firstly, tell us about what we know about what happened to this 18-year-old. Mandy, so yes, uh, that is exactly what happened. He was attempting to cross um, the river to travel from uh, one part of uh, Eclipse Town to another and unfortunately he slipped uh, and fell into the river. Now, it's been raining very heavily over the past few days so uh, the river um, um, was a little bit um, overflowing so it was uh, you know, too strong for him to manage to uh, uh, float on the water or not drown. So uh, unfortunately he drowned and... Uh, um, 
search search operations began yesterday and you know due to safety reasons they were called off it was only found um um, um this morning at exactly 10:52 so uh, um they found his body literally at the bottom of the river so um you know his body we assume that it's been lying there um since he drowned yesterday at 4 p.m. You were out there on the scene today while they were searching for him. You were there when they recovered the body as well. Uh, I imagine a lot of um, uh, community interest. Uh, mm. What What are some of the people saying to you that uh, that you spoke to? Well, there were scores of community members who, you know, were just around the the stream, glazing as. Um, uh, search uh, and rescue teams tried to uh, rescue that body and they've been telling us that uh, people usually use that stream or that river to cross and travel from one um, 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 area to another. In fact, they are saying that um, it's too much of a stretch to go around the whole river. It could take them uh, over uh, 20 minutes, so they prefer to just, uh, you know, use the stones that we could even see on the river to skip uh, or cross the river. Now, uh, the problem with that is, you know, uh, and this was also highlighted by Robert Modaudzi, um, Jobek EMS spokesperson. He's saying that it's not the first time that um, there's been a, 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 a person to drown and die at that very same river. So I think there's something that needs to be done because also the homes are so close to that river. And you, you can imagine that uh, people have to go 20 minutes to go around the river. Uh, you know, they find mm. they they just decide to skip or cross the river. Well, Alpha, thank you very much. Alpha Ramashwana, EWN reporter. He was out there today uh, in that area around uh, Clip Town where an 18-year-old boy died while trying to cross the river, that swollen river following the rainfall. Um, and EMS also saying they responded to another incident yesterday in which a woman fell into a water drain in Soweto. Uh, she was transported to a medical facility. They haven't had any other major incidents. So thank you, Alpha, for that.